Hello and welcome to the rest of season top 150 show. My name is Adam Levitan. Each and every Wednesday, we will be here to discuss, you guessed it, our rest of season top 150 rankings and how that plays into the season-long trade market, perhaps the rest of season best ball markets, buy lows, sell highs, etc. For this today, I'm joined by two members of our projections team, Mark Dankenbring and Jack Miller. Mark, how's it going today? pretty good. I somehow managed to pick up a little bit of a cold despite not leaving the house for the last two weeks. So I'm not sure how that happened, but, uh, you know, excited to talk some football here with you guys today. Well, you must've gone somewhere. There's no other explanation. <laughs> Jack, how's it going? Going well. Um, similar boat as Mark where allergies are acting up a little bit, but mostly doing pretty good. Good. Each week we do a rest of season top 150 ranking set. We put a ton, ton, ton of work into this. Our entire team chips in led by Mark. We take this seriously. This is not some BS list we pull out of our ass. You can get access to these rankings through DraftKit Pro or in-season package. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of this show. We will throw out some trade slash transaction ideas we have. And then the last five or 10 minutes, we will take your questions. If you do not have the in-season package yet, you need to rectify that so that you have access to all of our content, Silva's matchups, projections, rankings, all the shows, et cetera. Head to stopjustrun.com forward slash subscribe for more. All right. I'm honestly kind of tired of talking about the Cleveland Browns running back situation. However, we need to talk about it yet again because, Mark, as expected, the Cleveland Browns went out and signed Kareem Hunt. Now, I think that people get out over their skis on these dusty running backs like I was told a million times, Dalvin is better than Brees. Dalvin's going to go in there and crush for the Jets. I was told a million times that Melvin Gordon, he signed with the Ravens. Now that J.K. Dobbins is out, Melvin Gordon is going to crush. Melvin Gordon played zero snaps on Sunday, by the way. I was told that Leonard Fournette is going to get picked up and be a huge thorn in the side of all these younger running backs. I was told that Ezekiel Elliott was going to be productive as a member of the New England Patriots. There is a reason that Kareem Hunt was not signed for so, so, so long these washed, withered running backs, you do not get it back. And so I feel good about us being high on Jerome Ford here with while also understanding that Jerome Ford is not going to be a full-blown workhorse. So Mark, I don't know if this is a, a formatting issue or not, but I do not believe we have Kareem Hunt in the top 150 and we have Jerome Ford up here at 59 overall. What do you think about the Hunt versus Ford situation? We could probably get Hunt into the back end of the 150. Obviously, the signing wasn't official until about an hour or two ago, and and uh, we kind of posted this live early this morning. So we could probably get Hunt there in the back end. You know, I, I kind of see the scenario playing out as Jerome Ford is is going to be the RB one, the one A there, as you mentioned. And you know, we have him kind of lumped in uh, around Miles Sanders, which I think is an interesting comp. Like what we've seen with Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard there in Carolina, I think is is probably what we'll see with Ford and Kareem Hunt. I do expect Ford to be the 1A there, and he also has pass-catching ability as well. Um, I expect just with this offense, you know, kind of in the offseason, despite how Deshaun Watson has looked in the first two weeks, I expect them to lean more pass-heavy as, as the season goes along, just with their personnel and with Chubb injured. And, you know, we know Ford can catch passes. So I expect him to be probably get 60 to 70% of the work on the grounds, and then Hunt you know, kind of fill in uh, in that area as well. And then I think the biggest, you know, kind of question mark that 
I'm interested to see how it plays out as the goal line usage and, you know, the, the potential touchdown upside for Ford and Hunt here because Hunt, you know, was often subbed in over Nick Chubb in his time in Cleveland. And while I do think he's he's probably washed and there is a, a good reason, you know, the Browns didn't bring him back earlier, I do think that is a, a little bit of a concern for Jerome Ford early on. And, and hopefully he can get that goal line role. Yeah, I, I do think that I would have, now that we know it's official, I do think I would have Jerome Ford in the back end of the top 150 here, but I like where we have Jerome Ford and being aggressive. One thing I would note on Cleveland stuff, maybe Deshaun Watson is like never going to turn it around in Cleveland. I mean, he was so bad for six games last year. He's not been good for two games this year. I'm a little bit worried about that, and that would flow through to the offense as a whole and Jerome Ford. So yeah, in terms of actionable stuff, I know it's not that actionable right now. Jerome Ford's already been picked up in your league. If Kareem Hunt is out there, I would probably add him anyways. But at this point, Whoever picked up Jerome Ford is not trading them away anyways, I don't think. Speaking of trading away, though, Jack, there is a lot going on with Eagles' backfield. I think that you can make a case for Kenny Gainwell. I think you can make a case for DeAndre Swift as being the more valuable guy. Now, what we can't make a case for is Rashad Penny at this point. And whereas we started with three guys in the mix, I think it's down to two because even with Kenny Gainwell not playing last week, even with Boston Scott leaving early with a concussion, Rashad Penny played just seven snaps. We have it ranked here, DeAndre Swift, about 20 spots ahead of Kenneth Gainwell. Jack, if you could make a move here on Eagles backfield, what do you think it would be? Yeah, I, I mean, Penny didn't even play until Boston Scott left, so I do think it's a two-player backfield. Um, I, I'm, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. I do think having Swift higher makes sense because he probably has more upside than Kenny Gainwell. What, what the, the word out of Eagles camp was all summer was that the Eagles liked Gainwell because he was seen as the most reliable, but he doesn't really, I don't think he has what Swift just did with 170, 175 yards and a touchdown really in his weekly range of outcomes. Um, so given this constant drumbeat that the Eagles coaching staff has all this faith in Gainwell and they think he's the most reliable option. I, I don't think he completely goes away, but I think for fantasy purposes, Swift is the guy with the actual league winning ceiling. And so I, I think he's the guy that you want to own in that backfield for the wider range of outcomes. I've been waiting for years, years for someone to let DeAndre Swift loose and they let him loose and look what happens. The guy goes completely completely, completely berserk. I, I think the toothpaste is out of the tube here. And it's not great for my bags because I have a ton, ton, ton of Kenny Gamewell. But if anyone, like Jack said, I agree. Anyone, If anyone's going to consolidate here, in other words, emerge as the guy gets 60, 70, 75% of the work, it will be Swift. I don't think that's likely, but if anybody does it, I think it will be Swift at this point. And so if people think out there that Swift is a fluke, I, I would not mind putting in an offer for him, again, we're down to two men here in this backfield for the most part. Let's keep it moving, Mark, to the Detroit situation. So people who took Jameer Gibbs end of round three, round four, probably are not too enthused right now. However, however, they are very excited. And we don't celebrate injuries here, especially to someone who, my God, I am up to my neck in Dave Montgomery in best ball share. So we're not celebrating Dave Montgomery injuries here. However, you're not going to be able to trade for Jameer Gibbs right now because this is the time that people have been waiting for. How would you be thinking about Detroit running back right now, Mark? 
Well, I think at least with Montgomery, it should be a relatively short-term injury. It's just a thigh bruise, so you know nothing too severe. Um, we don't even have Craig Reynolds in the in the top 150 here. He could probably be a potential stopgap for you if you need the running back help. Just with how many uh, top-tier running backs have gone down in the last couple of weeks, but you know, in terms of Jameer Gibbs, it, it it definitely feels like wheels up for him. At least in terms of the passing work, he did see nine targets in that week two game against Seattle. And, and that's really where his fantasy bread is going to be buttered this season is in the passing game. Uh, obviously we love, you know, the Detroit offensive coordinator and what he's able to scheme up uh, Gibbs playing with Jared Goff in the dome. You know, you've, you've dubbed it the course field of NFL fantasy, which, which I love. And um, so I think Gibbs, you know, I, I wouldn't expect him to take over the majority of the rushing work, even with David Montgomery down, but surely on all, I think almost all, you know, obvious passing downs, two minute work, that's going to be Jameer Gibbs. So, you know, in, in PPR leagues, the, our rankings are geared more towards half PPR, but in PPR, I think Gibbs could even be in like the top 24, you know, players. He would easily, I think, be a, a top two round pick on PPR leagues if we were redrafting today. So I think, you know, wheels up for him for sure. You're on mute. We have Saquon Barkley one spot behind Jameer Gibbs here, and that might be a trade you might be able to pull off if you wanted to. I want to be very clear. You know, we are estimating and guessing on injury timelines on these guys, just like everyone else is. And so, you know, there's not a clean mathematical formula or a clean way to think about how long these guys are going to be out. We'll get to some more hurt guys in a minute here. I think Saquon Barkley will be back in the next one to three weeks. But we've seen ankle, like Gabe Davis sprained his ankle Week two last year, he was literally never the same. Literally the entire year, never the same. And so we try to bake some of that in really, really close between Gibbs and Barkley. If you wanted to make that swap, someone might actually uh, accept that. Um, yeah. Okay. Keep it moving here to, um, where am I at? Let's keep moving to the Bengals situation, Jack. I mean, I just mentioned the injury stuff. The injury stuff with Burrow is not good. Now, I think that he was mostly healthy for weeks one and two. I'm not going to allow people to say he wasn't playing well in weeks one and two because of the calf. Maybe tape bros out there want to say that that's the case. What's for sure true, though, is that on the second touchdown pass to T. Higgins, Joe Burrow aggravated his calf, and I would consider him on the good side of a questionable tag for week three, but maybe not himself. And so that kind of creates a whole weird thing going on with the Bengals and the season long and the trade market here. A lot of people have sent me in the DMs. They've sent me trades involving Jamar Chase. Um, there's certainly some panic out there. Jack, if you had Jamar Chase, how would you be thinking about it right now and anything else on the Bengals? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be panicking with Jamar Chase. Uh, I, I do think this is a scenario where it kind of comes down to like it's a different question if you're two and zero versus if you're zero and two because as Burrow gets better from the calf, he might not even play week three. Jamar's short-term production could take a hit. Maybe if you're zero and two, you don't go out and sell the farm for a player who's already already going to be valued very highly. Um, but then the hope is, I guess, by December that Burrow will be back, be healthy. Um, I, I think he's in real doubt for this week. Um, so if you're two and zero and you can afford, to, you know plan for the late season um i think jamar rate goes up in value a little bit but on the whole i'm not too concerned um long term about the Bengals options yeah I, 
It's hard, man. Cavs are are hard for for sure and hard to play with. We've dropped Jamar Chase to six overall before the season. We had him at two overall. So yeah, I mean, it started to fall for Jamar Chase. Mark, I know you're a Cincy guy. Anything you want to add here? Because I can see a case for both. I can see a case for being like, let's not panic on Jamar Chase. And I can see a case for, hey, there's safer guys out there that don't have an injured quarterback right now. Right. I'm kind of in that latter portion. I, I'm a little more concerned than Jack is just in terms of this calf injury lingering longer. You know, Burrow is such such a hyper competitive person. Like he's not going to want to sit out. And and I think this could be a lingering issue almost all all season. Um, I did bet the Bengals a little bit to to miss the playoffs just with this. I think it could snowball a little bit. And and just the backup options there, Jake Browning, you know, is is not really a quality backup quarterback so i'm i agree kind of if you could get another wide receiver one for jamar chase like if you could get a Diggs or amon ross st brown i i would i would probably trade that straight up if you could um i don't i agree with jack i probably wouldn't sell low on chase just because the upside towards the end of the season is so high and you know at the end of the day we're trying to win leagues here if 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 we're struggling a little bit in weeks three four and five you know like ideally we're building our team to capitalize on the end of season upside so i wouldn't necessarily sell low on him but if you could kind of get you know almost equal or slightly below chase value back in return I, i'd be somewhat interested in that yeah i mean brian makes a good point in chat you know the Bengals are zero and two and the ravens are two and oh i mean if they go out there with jake browning they're going to be zero and three like they're going to be zero and three with jake browning so yeah i mean that's certainly something to consider i don't think they'll put him out there if he's in danger of aggravating more but um yeah certainly scary all right story of the week of the year of course has been rams and specifically Rams wide receiver, although all Rams for sure, if we include Kyron Williams, but we have, I can't believe I'm saying this. I can't believe I'm saying it. We have Puka Nakua one spot ahead of Cooper Cup in the rankings now. This was, we, uh, this is an impossible thing to think about. We do not know how long Cooper Cup is going to be out, when he'll be back. I think he'll be back week five or six, but I'm just literally guessing. And, and, I think he'll certainly be at higher risk of aggravation at that point. Everybody wants an answer to the question, how will Puka be hurt by Cooper Cup coming back? Obviously, Puka will be hurt a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. However, Puka's shown an ability to win on the outside. So we tried to break in some injury risk here. I think if you told me Cooper Cup was going to be 100% starting in week five, I would have Cooper Cup back in the top 15 for sure. We just can't say that. For sure. So, Mark, I know that you thought a lot about this one. What do you think about if you had Puka right now or if you had Cup, how would you be handling this? It's certainly really interesting. I think, you know, you could argue both ways on this for a long time, just depending. You said on the uncertainty with the Cup injury, I think is, you know, kind of top of the table here when when just looking at how to assess the situation. I do think Puka, like when we just kind of look at his range of outcomes, you know, if we if we knew that Cooper Cup was out, for the rest of the season, I would think Puka Nakua would easily be a wide receiver one, probably slotted like right behind Devontae Adams. I mean, just in terms of our week three projection on Puka Nakua, we're projecting him for a 31% target share, which is reserved for guys like Devontae, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, you know, the the elite of the elite. So um, early on, the usage has been outstanding. And then if, if Cooper Cup comes back, I think it's fair to say that, you know, Puka Nakua is going to be the clear wide receiver two there. 
And, you know, it's an easy comp just to say, oh, he'll kind of fill the Robert Woods role of old. But I do think that is an accurate uh, comp there for Puka. So he could, I think, be, you know, a locked in wide receiver, too, in that scenario, just given what we've seen from the Rams offense. And early on, you're coming into the season, you know, with especially with this cup injury, I think we were all worried just systemically about the Rams failing here, similar to how they did last year with a weak offensive line, Stafford with the injury concerns, you know, potential retirement, all all that stuff that's been surrounding the Rams since their Super Bowl win. So I think with those concerns, you know, quelled a little bit, like I'm, I'm more interested in investing in the Rams offense. So I, I think Puka is, is again, locked in wide receiver two rest of the way, regardless of what happens with Cooper Cup. And if Cooper Cup is out longer, he's still in that wide receiver one range. So if, if people are undervaluing him, I think he is like a potential still buy high given his role. Um, and I, I probably wouldn't be trading him unless I could get one of those locked in, you know, wide receiver ones ahead of him. Okay. I want to stick with the Rams for a second here, Jack, with Kyron Williams. We have him up to RB 16. Obviously this is a massive boost for Kyron. He's up 40 spots from last week on the news that Cam Akers is done, going to be traded or cut, whatever. I, I you know, we're not going to get into the little Cam Akers situation now. It's still, very, very confusing. But what we know is that Kyron Williams had the most outrageous role I've seen for a running back in a long time. He played 76 snaps on Sunday. I mean, a lot of snaps for running back these days is like 40 or 45 or 50 in a game. He played 76 snaps. And the crazy thing about Kyron Williams is that he's actually, I think, better in the past game than he is as a runner. That's kind of his calling card going back to Notre Dame. And so we have him up here at RB 16 ahead of Madison, ahead of Brian Robinson, ahead of Miles Sanders, ahead of Jerome Ford, kind of in that range with James Cook and tier below Aaron Jones. I think that's fair. And maybe people are going to say we're overrating Kyron Williams. If I had him, I would not be just giving him away right now. Jack, any thoughts on Kyron? Yeah, I think right now Christian McCaffrey has the best uh, role in the NFL. And I think Kyron Williams legitimately has a pretty good case for second. Um, like you mentioned, he played 95% of snaps last week so far. He's run around on 76.5% of Matthew Stafford's dropbacks, has a 13% target share, was the only Rams running back to have an opportunity, either a, a carry or a target. So, yeah, I think in the short term, the role is absolutely elite, and he's an RB1. The question is just, can this day three – pick who we haven't seen much from before um keep it up the whole season and I, I think that's a fair question to ask I think a point in his favor is the 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 buzz out of Rams camp all last offseason was that they absolutely loved Kyron Williams and that they had a big role plan for him then he got hurt on the opening kickoff so I, I think this is maybe something that has just been building up for a couple of years and now we're finally getting to see Sean McVay put Kyron Williams in the role he wants and he probably doesn't want him playing 95% of snaps, but I, I do think that this is, he's going to be super involved the entire season and it's hard to see them going out and, and adding someone. So I, I think it's fair just to be just a question if Kyron can keep this up for the entire year. But for now, I mean, it, it's a fantastic role and he's an RB one in my opinion. All right. Agreed. Um, a guy who we moved up a bunch in the rankings at the wide receiver position was Michael Pittman, up 15 spots this week to 40th overall. Obviously, we only saw 18 snaps from Anthony Richardson last week. Anthony Richardson remains in the concussion protocol, but it's not that big a concern. I mean, Gardner Minshew, I think, is one of the better backups in the entire NFL. 
Mark, if you had, well, look, I think there's still some people out there. Well, it's hard to say if you have Pittman, what you think on him right now. I assume if you drafted Pittman, you probably liked him and Anthony Richardson anyways. So like, you're not looking to get out from it, but yeah. What do you think about handling Michael Pittman right now, Mark? Well, the role for Pittman has been outstanding. And I think this is going to kind of become a trend for me, at least personally, is, is betting more so on coaches that we believe in, almost more so than than players. Like what Nick Sirianni has done for the Colts offense early on is just amazing for fantasy. Um, you know, they're, they're a super fast-paced team. They've been running a ton of plays. They, they are 10th currently in pass rate over expectation through two weeks with, you know, and, and with Anthony Richardson, we were expecting them to run a ton, and, and that hasn't been the case. Uh, Michael Pittman has seen 32% of the Colts targets thus far. Obviously anything over, you know, anything around or above 30% is elite. Um, and then the Colts utilization of their players has been extremely condensed as well. They're, they're pretty much only playing three wide receivers. Pittman has run 98% of the routes through two weeks. Alec Pierce has run 93% and Josh Downs is at 77%. So Pittman's out there every play they're playing fast. They're throwing more than we are expecting. Um, and, and things just look good for, you know, Pittman in general, this Colts offense is, is pretty bad. You know, they've given up a lot of explosive plays to the Jags and the Texans through two weeks. So I think, you know, the Colts are going to be inclined to throw. And then we saw once Anthony Richardson went out with a concussion this past week, Gardner Minshew stepped in and, you know, operated the offense. So when we kind of talk about potential backup quarterbacks, like I think Gardner Minshew is, is one of the better ones in the league. So Pittman is, is a buy high for me. It's, uh, you know, T's, that's kind of one of my moves to make this week is buy high on Michael Pittman. So I'm, I'm firmly a believer and, and think it's going to be continue to be a good year for him. Okay. Yeah. One of my moves to make last week was trade for Anthony Richardson. He was about to go completely berserk if he didn't get that uh, concussion in that game. He had already had 17 fantasy points on just 18 snaps was about to go completely nuke. A couple more quick ones here to hit on before we get to moves to make and your questions. Uh, Bears backfield. I just wanted to point out that I think it's an interesting time to trade for Roshan Johnson or add Roshan Johnson. I know he didn't do much, but the fact they deactivated uh, Deontay Foreman, I thought was at least notable. We still have Khalil Herbert ahead of Roshan Johnson by about 30 spots. But like my gut says, Roshan in the next few weeks is going to overtake and they're going to make some changes there. And one of the changes will be putting Khalil Herbert back in that change of pace role. So if you can get your hands on Roshan Johnson right now, I think that is an interesting one. Last one I wanted to mention, or second last one I wanted to mention, Jack, is the Pittsburgh running back spot. Um, we've made the move. Uh, it's happened. The move that everybody wants. Well, everybody who, except for the people who drafted Najee Harris, but everybody, everybody really wants. We now have Jalen Warren ranked ahead of Najee Harris. Najee Harris all the way down to 105 overall. Obviously, was one of our bigger fades for this season. Looks good so far. Just offensive ineptitude from Pittsburgh. Plus, what we expected, year three of Najee Harris. Like, they've seen enough, man. I mean, Jalen Warren's going to get in there. I know that Najee has the first-round draft capital. Jalen Warren made an almost even split in a neutral script game throughout a Monday night. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, if you have Najee Harris, I don't even know what you would do. Like, there's almost no way anybody's going to trade for Najee Harris right now. But Jack, any ideas for people holding the bag on Najee or anything else? I think you just kind of have to hold Najee. Um, the public perception around him is so bad right now that like no one is going to, unless you can find someone who's just holding on to the draft capital of, you know, fourth round ADP. I think you kind of just have to hold on to him because there's not really, really a market for these guys who are just 
tanking in value, but it does seem like in the second half on Monday, the, the Steelers started to use Warren more. They noticed he's more explosive. They've already been using him on passing downs. Um, so I definitely think it's a big step in the right direction for, for Warren and a downgrade for Harris. Last thing I wanted to mention here was the uh, Las Vegas situation, Mark, because I know they went into Buffalo and it was ugly. They ran so few plays and maybe people are disappointed right now in their Josh Jacobs bags. Note that we still have Josh Jacobs 15 overall here. So yeah, what do you think about Las Vegas stuff right now, Mark? Yeah, you mentioned the low play count. They ran 39 plays in Buffalo. It's only the second time an NFL team has run fewer than 40 plays uh, since 2018. So certainly an outlier performance there. But even in that game, Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs had 14 of the team's 23 targets. And then in week one, uh, those two, Devontae, Josh Jacobs, and Jacoby Myers had 22 of the 26 targets for the Raiders in week one. So this offense is shaping up similar to last year where Jacobs and Adams just took, you know, so much, so much workload. And then offense like add Jacoby Myers and and those three are the only three rosterable people from the Raiders. And I, and I think, you know, good players to target for sure. I think Josh Jacobs, his, his role is so elite right now in terms of running back touches. He had a hundred percent of the running back rush attempts in week two against Buffalo until Zamir White came in on, you know, the last drive and garbage time and got a few and then had 95% of the running back rush attempts in week one. So his, his role is outstanding. I would be willing to buy Josh Jacobs as, you know, a locked in RB one. If, if people are scared off by the inefficiency and, and just, we love targeting these condensed offenses and fantasy. So I think, you know, if, if people are either dropped to Kobe Myers, cause he's injured or worried about that, I think he's a good target. And then Devontae and Jacobs, I think are again, just locked into kind of round one value right now. Agreed. I mean, there's very few running backs in the league who get the kind of workload that have the workload talent combination that Josh Jacobs has, uh, from Yader, he says, is Zach Charbonnet still worth stashing, if not names to pick up to stash over him? Yes. Hopefully you have DraftKit Pro and you can see this. But part of the reason we do this is that you can see where we have Zach Charbonnet related to other running backs. And so if you get, again, if you have DraftKit Pro, head to the rest of season top 150, you'll see we have Zach Charbonnet right in that kind of Antonio Gibson, Roshan Johnson, Zach Moss, Pirine type range there at the bottom. I do think Charbonnet is still worth stashing. Um Kenneth Walker was extremely inefficient once again on Sunday, which doesn't bother me as a fantasy player, but might bother the Seahawks and maybe why they use a second round pick on Charbonnet. And so I would definitely be hanging on to him. All right, let's get to some, some moves to make. I felt good about my moves to make last week, man. I felt like a real, a real trading season long bro out here it was sell Brees Hall before he goes and face plants. When everybody was so excited about Brees Hall, sell Brees Hall before he goes and face plants in Dallas and trade for Anthony Richardson. I'll start off this week with maybe a similarly controversial one. Trade for Justin Fields. It's bad right now for Justin Fields. I mean, real bad. Looks completely lost out there. He's out here disparaging the coaches in the media, which is never a good sign. We saw this last year when he started off completely inept. And then they were like, you know what? Let's just lean into what Justin Fields does well. Is that even too much to ask, Luke Getzey? We're going to start leaning into what Justin Fields does well. Not throwing short, not having one or two designed runs a game. We're going to design eight to 10 run, runs per game for him. And we're going to start getting the ball deep down the field, which plays into Justin Fields' strengths. I think they'll figure it out. And like, yeah, I love Tua and I love Burrow and I love Cousins and I love Dimes and, and all these guys. The ceiling on Justin Fields 
when he runs like he did last year is absolutely outrageous. And so I'm looking to get all superstar ceilings into my lineups. If someone is totally panicked on Justin Fields right now, um, I would go out and get him. I, I just think that it's going to turn around for him from a fantasy perspective. Maybe not from real life, but from a fantasy perspective, I think it will turn around for Justin Fields. That's my first one. We're going to do two each here. Jack, why don't you go ahead with your first one? Yeah, I'm going to do trade for Jaden Reed, which might sound like a weird one considering he just had two touchdowns. So maybe his values at a relative high, but I think that the underlying metrics are pretty encouraging. Um, he's averaging, he has 13 targets on 38 routes run this year for 0.34 targets per route run. That's an elite number. Um, he, he's played well enough to, I think, earn more routes in the future. And, and as a rookie, they're going to not give him a full allotment of snaps right away. So while he's not running that many routes, I think it's pretty reasonable to expect that number to grow. And the fact that he's already earning targets is a big plus for me. Um, I don't think it would be surprising if by the end of the year, Jaden Reed is leading the Packers in targets. So it, I I think that the fantasy community is, is a lot smarter than they were five or 10 years ago. And everyone would see the two touchdowns and just go out and buy that. I think people might think of Jaden Reed as a sell high coming off of a game in which he had two touchdowns, but I think that he's going to, I think he's on an upward tra trajectory. Um, so I'm looking to buy him despite the the good game on Sunday. Yeah. Well, I, I think that you can definitely buy Jaden Reed if you want to, because people are like, Oh, well, Christian Kirk's coming back and Jordan loves playing way above his head from an efficiency standpoint right now. I mean, you can make a pretty good case, I think to sell on Jaden Reed. So yeah, you might be able to get him cheaply. We have him 127 overall. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I like Jaden Reed. I mean, I, I have a ton of Jaden Reed from the season-long process, and I hope that it continues. But I have more Christian Watson. I mean, this guy doesn't come back soon. I'm going to need a loan or somewhere else to live or something. I need I need, I need, need Christian Watson back in the lineup uh, badly. Mark, what is your first uh, transaction to make? I'm going to buy high on another wide receiver, and, and that's Michael Pittman. And I hit on it you know, a little bit earlier in the show, but I just think his role is – it's pretty elite right now, and is he's a locked-in wide receiver too with potential wide receiver one upside if Anthony Richardson continues to play this well. Um, I just want to bet on Nick Sirianni in, in this offense given the signs we've seen early on. I think Pittman is you know clearly a talented player. Last year in the Colts, offense was just such a mess. I think we can kind of throw it out, and you know he had a very strong rookie year, and and I think this year he's he's going to be a locked-in wide receiver too moving forward. And I think you know you. People probably drafted him in the seventh, eighth round, so they're not completely tied to him. And I think you could probably trade someone like a Brandon Ayuk, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, guys we have just below him in the rankings to secure Michael Pittman. And uh, yeah, I, I want to buy high on him right now. Okay. My second move to make here today is going to be add or trade for Kendry Miller. Now, this was one that I was on before the season. It has not gone that well, but I just never had much respect for Jamal Williams' game. I thought last year was a complete fluke that was induced by um, a very good Lions offensive environment and run game environment, as well as an outlier amount of one and two yard touchdown runs for Jamal Williams. He also has a hamstring injury now. They did nothing, nothing when Alvin Kamara was suspended and Kendra Miller picked up this hamstring injury they added Tony Jones, who's like a borderline NFL player. And so now Kendra Miller is expected back this week for week three, could be featured right away. And like, given the way Jamal Williams played the first two weeks and now a hamstring injury, 
the guy is like a backup at best. And so if Kendrick Miller can just like seize control here, watch Mollyums out, he can be the 1B behind Alvin Kamara when he returns. And by the way, on Kamara, I've always loved Alvin Kamara. I love him as a dude. He like goes to Montana and like lives in the mountains and unplugs all his internet or whatever, you know, like I, I, I dig Alvin Kamara. He was an awesome, awesome, awesome fantasy player for so long. I was worried last year, man. I mean, down the stretch last year in big games, third downs were going to like Mark Ingram, who's now doing games on Fox. I mean, and, and that's because Alvin Kamara just was not that good last year. And so I don't think it's out of the range of outcomes for Kendra Miller to actually end up as the lead back here eventually, eventually for the Saints, the kind of guy I want to have on my bench. And maybe I can even start him this week, depending on how things go with the hamstring and all that. So add or trade for Kendry Miller would be my second one. Jack, what is your second and final move to make? Yeah, I'm going to do add Nathaniel Dell. Um, he's probably rostered in some leagues already, but I did uh, trade for Nico Collins last week and we had some feedback that he was just on the waiver wire. So if that's the case, I think Tank Dell is definitely on the waiver wire. He ran 47 routes on 57 CJ Stroud dropbacks, seven targets for or 10 targets, seven catches, uh, 72 yards and a touchdown. That was his first game with Noah Brown on injured reserve. And they basically put him on a full-time role and he played great. Uh, John Mechie played 14 snaps. So I, I think he's pretty clearly the wide receiver four or even five besides Xavier Hutchinson there. Um, I, I don't think CJ Stroud is going to, pass the ball 58 times per game, but I do think that there's a, a pretty clear path for Tank Dell eventually overtaking Robert Woods as the wide receiver too and, and getting a pretty decent target share there. Um, so yeah, add, add Nathaniel Dell. All right. For you guys who don't know who Jack was talking about there, Tank Dell. Is, is Nathaniel is his real name. Jack is being very proper. He goes by Tank. Two Tanks in the NFL these days. Tank Bigsby and Tank Dell. Mark, Go ahead with your second and final move to make. Well, I agree with Jack on, on liking to invest in the Houston passing game in general. And, and mine's going to kind of go in a different direction here. And that's going to be sell low on, on Damian Pierce. And uh, th this one's hard for me because I came into the season wanting to bet on Damian Pierce with, you know, Houston tried to revamp their offensive line. Unfortunately, they've been stricken by injuries there. Four to their five starting offensive linemen were out in week two. And, and the utilization for Damian Pierce has been really bad through two weeks. He's played under 50% of the snaps, uh, only ran 35% of the routes. He's losing the long down and distance and two minute work to his backups. So, um, you know, we are a little worried that Devin Singletary would be a slight thorn in the side, but they're, they're mixing in three backs there, which is just, you know, committees that we want to avoid. Um, I think with the running back attrition that we've seen in the last couple of weeks and, and guys going to pick up you know, Matt Breida and Craig Reynolds and, and names like that. I think people are still willing to buy Damian Pierce. So I, I'd be willing to get out now, just given the underlying usage um, and, and what we've seen from the Texans so far. I think they're going to lean more into CJ Stroud in the passing game. And I don't really think Damian Pierce's role is going to reflect that. So I'm going to sell low on Damian Pierce. Yeah. I mean, one of my biggest strategies during the season was just skip over that entire tier JK Dobbins, Pierce, Cam Akers, Miles Sanders, you know, and, and, it's run out incredibly, incredibly well, like better than I ever could have hoped uh, for fading that tier. So yes, yeah, so far, so good there. All right, we got about five or 10 minutes here. We will answer as many of your questions as quickly as we can here. Appreciate everyone who is hanging out in chat. I'll scroll up a little bit here. All right. Um, 
who would you rather have Jaden Reed or Tank Dell right here? I think that would be Jaden Reed. For me, Dell, I, I like also, but just such a small prospect and coming off of the game against the Colts who might have the worst secondary in the entire league. But that's a close one. What do you think, Jack, J Jaden Reed or Tank Dell? Yeah, I'm going Reed as well, um, just for the, the higher draft capital uh, is the difference for me. Um, For Mark, trade Calvin Ridley straight up for Jamar Chase. Calvin Ridley or Jamar Chase straight up right now. Man, that's tough. Um, I think I think I would probably still lean Jamar Chase like ever so slightly. Um, especially if you're two and you know, two and oh or one and one. If you're own two, I I I would I would actually probably trade for Ridley and hope he can, you know, lead you to some wins over the next couple weeks. Um, but yeah, that's that's super close. Um Rashad White or Michael Pittman for the rest of the season. Now Rashad White was had like the most efficient game I can ever remember from Rashad White this past week. Keep in mind, the Bears are like, I mean, my God, I mean, on defense, the Bears are just a total, total, total stone cold mess. That said, I don't think they really want to lean too much on Sean Tucker. Chase Edmonds has not been good and, and been hurt. And so I do think the role for Rashad White is really safe. Jack, any thoughts on this one, Rashad White or Pittman for the rest of the season? Yeah, that's pretty. That's that's Pittman for me for sure. I'm concerned about White holding on to that job the whole year. Yeah, schedule coming up for Rashad White, very difficult. Also, Chaiwan says he woke up at 7 a.m. to grab Kendry. That would be impressive, Kendry. Except I was up at 5:30 a.m. taking care of kids. All right, but I don't want to hear about this 7 a.m. nonsense. All right, dude. Uh, Brian makes a point that all the quarterback issues were a problem last year for Kamara. He's going to got to get someone to throw him the ball and Car throws him the ball. I think that's fair that the rushing metrics on Kamara were not nearly as strong as they've been in the past, but I do think that's fair, but that's what I'm saying. Like put Alvin Kamara in a strict pass catching role and let Kendry Miller be like your more Mark Ingram type, even though I think Mark uh, Kendry Miller is more explosive. So yeah. Um, would you give up Swift and London for Josh Jacobs in a 12 team PPR Mark give up Deandre Swift and Drake London key of the fighting Arthur Smiths for Josh Jacobs in full PPR. I think I would do that just, just with how strong Jacobs role has been through two weeks, you know, Swift and London, I think are, are probably starters in a 12 team league. So if you have some decent depth to be able to, you know, survive that over the next few weeks, I, I would do that. And that, I think Jacobs is the clear best player there. Um, and I think now is a decent time to sell Deandre Swift just because we haven't seen, what the mix will be like with him and Gainwell, you know, both, both active and, mm -hmm. and healthy. So um, I, th I think now's an interesting time, you know, it could, it could burn a little bit if, uh, if Gainwell stays out for a bit, but yeah, I would, I would do that deal. Uh, Matt says, do we prefer Jahan Dotson and Jacoby Myers types on our bench or rookies like Jaden Reed and Tank Dell? I think Jahan Dotson and Jacoby Myers are both better NFL players right now than Reed and Dell period and Dotson and Jacoby have like every down roles. So I would stick with the veterans here, Jack, any further thoughts on that one? Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go to, um, Elijah Moore or Jaden Reed for the rest of the season, Mark, that I'm worried about Deshaun Watson. Like I said, at the beginning, man, uh, Elijah Moore or Jaden Reed. 
I think Elijah Moore. Um, you know, I do, I do like Jaden Reed a lot. I have have a lot more of him just because he was a lot cheaper than Elijah Moore coming in. But um, certainly the usage has been has been really good for Elijah Moore early on. And, and kind of like I said earlier when we were talking about Jerome Ford, I think Cleveland's really going to lean into the passing game with with Chubb out. So I think you know the, we can probably project Elijah Moore for one to two more targets, you know, per game. And and I think just talent wise, he's probably equal, if not better than Jaden Reed. So I'd, I'd lean Elijah there. Okay. Uh, from Ratcliffe family, he says, I'm an Austin Eckler owner. How much would you sweeten the pot for Pollard or Bijan in a trade? One for one may be suspect for the Pollard or Bijan owners. So I don't know what's going on with Austin Eckler's ankle, man. I've been trying to find information on it. I've been trying to ask people. I, I don't have anything yet. I expect to have something more on Austin Eckler's injury soon because quite frankly he does a freaking fantasy football podcast every week and i assume that Harmon is going to ask him about it and so it, it the sim is so broken but it, regardless regardless i think we're gonna get more information there soon if eckler is healthy his ankle is fine i don't think we would have him that much below pollard or Bijan here eckler's still an awesome awesome asset so i would just be holding eckler at this point and uh and trying to wait for more information if there's, if you think the information is going to be bad, then yeah, I would be sweetening the pot to get Pollard or Bijan. I think Pollard and Bijan are also both in awesome, awesome, awesome roles. Talked about both their roles with Silva on team by team yesterday. Hopefully you guys caught that. Here's an interesting one, Jack. Should we be selling high on Jordan Addison? Now, Jordan Addison has operated as the wide receiver three for the Vikings. However, however, only three wide receivers have run a route all season for the Vikings. So it's still an awesome role. Eventually, I think he's going to pass KJ Osborne for routes, I think. But what do you think about this one, Jack? Would you be selling high right now on Jordan Addison? I would not. I think this is exactly what you want to see from a rookie. Um, even though Osborne's ahead of him in like snaps and routes, Os or Addison has had two deep touchdowns in two games. Um, he's frankly just a better player than KJ Osborne, and I expect that the talent's going to win out in the end. Um, obviously Justin Jefferson and, and Hawk are commanding massive target shares, but the Vikings also have the second highest pass rate over expectation in the league and uh, a pretty bad defense. So they're going to have to throw a ton this year. I think this is, just, I think if anything, I'd be looking to buy Jordan Edison as opposed to selling him. Okay. I like that take. I agree. Uh, from Dusty, Dusty Hobson, he says, well, we trade Puka straight up for Kyron. This is a 10 team full PPR mark Puka straight up for Kyron Ram on Ram crime here. Um, if you start three wide receivers in this league, I would, I would say no, just because of bye weeks and potential injuries. I think you're going to want to have Puka on the team. If, if you only start two wide receivers and two running backs, um, man, I don't know. Cause Montgomery and Sanders on the bench, I think is like pretty solid and, and mm -hmm. similar range to Kyron when he's healthy. So I, I'd probably hold on to Puka. And I think again, there, there's still elite upside there. If, if Cooper cup, doesn't come back by week five or is, you know, re-aggravates anything or, or whatever. I think the upside still is better for Puka and in 10 team leagues, you know, we're, we're shooting for that a bit more. So I'd, I'd keep Puka. Yeah. I mean, anytime it's close, I'm going to lean wide receiver, man. I mean, that's, that's just going to be the way it is uh, um, for me from Jason. He says, would you deal Christian Watson and Jerome Ford for Debo Samuel? He says it's full PPR stronger at running back than wide receiver. I mean, I don't want to give up on Christian Watson. I I still like it. And I like Jerome Ford too. And so like, I thought Christian Watson and Debo were actually kind of close coming into the season. Um, I am a known Debo hater, but that's besides the point, Jack, what do you think about this one? Give up Christian Watson 
and Jerome Ford to get Debo Samuel? Uh, I would not be doing this trade. I, I think Ford is a pretty valuable asset right now. I think Christian Watson has a pretty good chance to play this week. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd be holding on to the pair there as opposed to going for Debo. Uh, from Lyndon C says, what's Raheem Mostert's trade value right now? Sell high or hold? I mean, they did not want to put Devon A-Chain out there. I mean, even after Salvan Ahmed got hurt, they did not want to put Devon A-Chain out there for a very long time. Now Salvan Ahmed is missing practice. Probably going to miss some time. We know Jeff Wilson remains on IR return. I think the question on Raheem Mostert is simple. Can he hold up for the whole season at age 31 with a really long injury history? I'm tempted to sell on Raheem Mostert, but that could look really bad. I mean, dude can play and the offense is clicking. Mark, what do you think about handling Raheem Mostert right now? I'd lean sell as well. Um, when we were making the you know rankings and, and taking in feedback from the whole ETR team, this was a player we discussed and, you know, we, we might be too low on him. Uh, we, we are kind of baking in, you know, a high amount of injury risk. So obviously if he doesn't get injured, I think he's a locked in RB2, probably more in like the, you know, running back 16 to 20 range whereas right now we have him at rb28 so I, I would lean selling him high just especially after that big game on you know primetime tv everyone saw the explosiveness from Mostert. so i would lean selling um but you know certainly you could that could come back to bite you a little bit but yeah i'd lean sell there all right lbj says what kind of package would you be willing to trade to get Brees hall in redraft i'm not man you know and i love Brees hall i love 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 Brees Hall, until they get an actual NFL quarterback in there, it's going to be very hard for Brees Hall to do it. And maybe they will, you know, like maybe the Vikings wheels come off and they try to trade Kirk Cousins, the trade deadline. I don't even know if the money can work there or not, or maybe the wheels come off Tennessee and they can get Ryan Tannehill or maybe Jameis Winston or Jacoby Brissett. I mean, an actual NFL quarterback would be a boost for Brees Hall. And we are baking in some chance of that into the rankings. Like, if it's going to be Zach Wilson for the rest of the year, to me, Brees Hall is not even like a top 50 or top 60 player. We have him 38 overall right now on the hopes, I think, that they actually get an actual NFL quarterback in the mix here. But yeah, I, I would not be giving up much to get Brees Hall right now. Uh, personally, I thought a big part of Brees Hall's bull case coming into the year was how effective Aaron Rodgers has been at getting fantasy points in the running back position. He's just like really, really good at it. So yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know. Just don't like it. Just don't like it at all. Um, all right, we'll do a couple more here. Uh, little Big Man says, how do you feel about Jerry Judy rest of season? Yes, the Twitter docs guaranteed me, guaranteed me that Jerry Judy was coming back too soon. And therefore, he would re-aggravate in this game. He did not. Breaking news. Twitter docs swing and a miss. Jerry Judy, 36 out of 42 rats with Russ Wilson. Now, did not have a good game. Um, was not productive. He's fighting for targets with Brandon Johnson and little Jordan Humphrey, which is insane to me, and Corin Sutton. And even with all these guys that are out, I mean, even Greg Dolchich is out now. It's just mind-boggling to me that the primary targets are not Jerry Judy and Corlin Sutton with Marvin Mims, but they haven't been. Seems like Jerry Judy's only going to get healthier, though. Jack, any thoughts on handling Jerry Judy the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, I thought that his, his usage in week two was extremely good considering the expectations there were there was some stuff during the week that he was going to be on a snap count I think Sean Payton kind of uh rebuffed that going into Sunday and then he obviously was not limited at all on Sunday we've seen him be the clear wide receiver one when healthy before um so I think 
you know, Russell Wilson doesn't look particularly great. So that's something to consider uh, in relation to Judy's preseason price. But I think in terms of Judy himself, it was fantastic to see the usage on Sunday. Uh, these quarterback trades are always interesting, Mark, because it's so hard to value quarterbacks in one quarterback leagues. I can pick someone up off waivers a lot of weeks and get a reasonable start. But DV Loner says, would you give up Josh Allen to get Puka Nakua and Jerome Ford? Obviously, a lot will de- would depend here on what your quarterback you would be left with, I think. But yeah, Mark, any thoughts on Josh Allen rest of the way? I think I'd probably hold on to Josh Allen just with the elite upside that he has at the position. Um, you know, it is tough. Like Puka could, again, you know, it's a, hate to hate to just say it again, but depending on Cooper Cup's injury, Puka could be a, you know, locked in wide receiver one rest of the way. So a little bit of a risk there. If, if you feel good about your quarterback two option, let's say you have like a Sam Howell or Daniel Jones or something on the bench, you know, I don't think that drop off is, is too big. So it, it kind of depends more on the quarterback two option there. Um, if, if that's not good, then, you know, I would lean keeping Josh Allen, but it kind of depends on your your team construction. Uh, I think a good point here from Ace Rosenthal. The spreadsheet versions have denied Adam Thielen a spot in the top 150. I, I kind of agree, and this makes me sick, but I think Adam Thielen's going to catch like 80 balls this year, man. And I, I know that's easy to say after Monday night, but I kind of like had that feeling before where DJ Chark is a vertical threat. You know, uh, all these other guys, Mingo, Chenault, Terrace Marshall can't really play. There's no big target earners at tight end or running back. Adam Thielen is going to fall into earning targets. And you see that like when Bryce Young drops back, he knows the guy that's going to get open in the intermediate range is Adam Thielen. So I wouldn't be excited about it, but like in a pinch, if I had to start Adam Thielen, especially in full PPR, he can get you four or five catches a week, man. I, I think he will average around four or five catches a week. So if you wanted to add Adam Thielen, I think that's okay. It would be the most eight condom play ever, but uh, yeah, I think it's okay. Uh, I see some dynasty questions in here. We did just update our dynasty rings and dynasty trade calculator. So if you go up here, you go to NFL season long, you can see our dynasty rings here. And you can also put in trades that include draft picks into the dynasty trade calculator. That is all part of DraftKit pro as well. Uh, Eva says waddle straight up for Josh Jacobs in full PPR. Who'd you rather have there, Jack Waddle straight up or Josh Jacobs? Yeah, that's Waddle for me, uh, especially with how the Dolphins and Intua have looked. Um, I'm going Waddle there. Okay. We have in the in the rankings, Mark, we do have Josh Jacobs pretty far ahead of Waddle. My wide receiver bias makes me kind of lean a little bit Waddle here, but I don't want to say bad things about Josh Jacobs either. So I think there's uh, smart minds can disagree, I think, on this one, I think is is fair to say. Um, yeah, I think, sure. I mean, I think if, uh, again, league, league structure matters. If you start two wide receivers only and two running backs, I would lean Jacobs there. If it's three wide receivers, I'd, you know, I think it's a bit closer. I I would personally lean Jacobs, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it is a little close. Uh, Michael Guest says, there's a, is there a realistic RB2 I could trade Madison for, or just wait for a blow up game and sell high whenever that occurs? I don't think you can sell Alexander Madison right now, man. I mean, who, what are you going to get for Alexander Madison at this point? I will again say I am worried about Alexander Madison, but I am not panicked on Alexander Madison because they continue to go to him in two-minute drill, uh, in base, around the goal line. Team's been struggling massively, 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 especially the run game's been struggling massively, but role I think is still there for Alexander Madison. The concern will come if we start to see Ty Chandler eat into Alexander Madison 
at a really high rate. But yeah, at this point, I don't think you're going to get much for Alexander Madison. I probably wouldn't just sell low on him. I don't know. I would Maybe that's a fair question to ask. Would you guys sell low on, on Alexander Madison right now? I'll start with Jack. I, I might be looking to get out, to be honest. I, I just think that all of the fears that the naysayers had during the off season were, were kind of validated. Like, I don't think anyone questioned the week one workload. It's whether he was good enough to sustain that workload the entire season. And, and he's been pretty brutal so far. He had the fumble issues on Thursday night. Um, so I, I think right now we have him 53rd overall, which is around his ADP. Um, so I think if you can get mid fifth round value for him, um, I would be fine parting ways. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you can get mid round, mid fifth round value for him, I guess is my point. You know, uh, Mark, any thoughts on what you would do if you had Alexander Madison right now? Just looking at our ranks, the, the guys we have a little below that I think would be viable trade options, you know, Jonathan Taylor, if you're in a decent spot, um, you know, he should hopefully come back week five. Brian Robinson, I think is interesting. He looks to have the RB1 role pretty locked up in Washington. I think, you know, I might want to bet on him over Madison potentially. Um, and then Alvin Kamara, I will toss in there despite your love for Kendra. I mean, I, the role has been really good for Madison, you know, so it's, it's hard for me to sell. Like, you know, when we kind of look at him versus Kyron, like Kyron has certainly gotten more touches early on, but in terms of their underlying metrics and, and how much they're on the field and, and out in routes, like I think Madison is, is just kind of purely a volume play and, and that hasn't disappeared for me yet. I think good games are coming you know, they have Chicago still on the schedule coming up in a couple of weeks. Like I, if, if you want to wait, I think you could wait till they, they play Chicago because all indications are Chicago's defense is horrible and, and Madison should hopefully have a good game then. All right. We've covered it all on the rest of season top 150 show. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all being here. I know I see a lot of start sick questions in chat. Let easy ways to get start sick question and do the right thing, or let's give yourself a chance to do the right thing. Pat Thorman won the rankings competition last year. He's been in the top 10, six out of the last eight years. His rankings are part of DraftKit Pro. They come out tonight. Our projections will also be out tonight. You can consult those. These are very, very, very mathematical-based and our knowing ball-based projections. And then Silva's matchups, you can read his take on every player in every game there. If you read those three things, and you still don't know who to start or sit, I don't know what to tell you. So go ahead and pick up the in-season package, DraftKit Pro. You will have all your sit, start, sit, dreams answered. Four, Jack. Four, Mark for producer Adam. I am Adam. Good luck in week three.